With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the MMQB NFL Podcast. I'm Gary Gramling. And I'm Connor Orr. All right, Connor, it's time to talk about some offensive linemen, and we are going to get to the top prospects, the tackles, the centers, the guards, all these guys in just a moment here, but... I want to start off this show, as I want to start off every show, with uh, Austin and Corbett. <laughs> of course. Austin Corbett, to, the more I thought about it throughout this offseason, uh, Austin Corbett is absolutely fascinating to me. And uh, we ranked him fairly high in our free agent rankings, and our bylines are on that. We, we own it, even if maybe we didn't put the amount of uh, thought into it that we should have as I look back on it. But... Uh, Austin Corbett was a disappointment in Cleveland. Uh, He goes out to the Rams, and he plays fairly well. And then Matthew Stafford gets to L.A. And Austin Corbett, in his contract year, uh, happens to have a really strong year. Just rates really well in in a lot of, uh, you know, uh, grading sites and and just just plays well overall. And look, we do know he, he was a top 40 pick. He has talent. This isn't a guy who, you know, just sort of came out of nowhere. Uh, he hits free agency and now he's going to the Carolina Panthers who uh, they do not have Matthew Stafford. Uh, we don't know what they have at quarterback, but it's probably not going to be great this year. And I just, you know, it, it's, it's, I, I think we sort of lose track sometimes of 
how much an offensive lineman, especially the guys who are not, you know, it's like you have your elite guys and you have your guys who really can't play. And then you have all these these dudes in the middle. And I think Corbett might be toward the top half of that middle, but he's still in the middle. And when he gets to a team that doesn't have a quarterback who sets the protections as well as Stafford does, when he doesn't have a quarterback who uh, is basically not blitzed by opponents. When you don't blitz a quarterback, the offensive line has a much easier time. Uh, When you are in a place where Sean McVay is not calling the plays and designing the offense, uh, I just kind of wonder how this is going to work out with him being dropped into really a pretty rocky situation in Carolina. Yeah. um, You know, it reminds me of, I was talking to Ali Marpet before the Buccaneers Super Bowl, and I said, you know, what what was it like to go from Hobart to, you know, real hard hitting journalistic question here, but like, what is it like to go from Hobart to being like arguably one of the best offensive linemen in the NFL? And he's like, ah, you know, Tom Brady really helps. <laughs> and it's like, you know, a guy who can dictate protections really well, a guy who gets rid of the ball in two and a half seconds. There's really not a whole lot of margin for error for, you know, there's a big margin of error for us because the ball's out. And it doesn't, you know, not that it doesn't matter what we do, but, you know, we we can make mistakes and he covers up for them. And I do think that Corbett is one of those examples. And we saw a lot of Buccaneers offensive linemen this year get paid in free agency and they're moving elsewhere and playing outside of the the Brady bubble. And it's I'm always interested in that. Right. I think Aaron Rodgers was another guy where you always wondered what was going to happen to his offensive linemen when they left and they got paid elsewhere. I think that situation is unique in that their offensive line coach was excellent. And most of those guys did have a good track record outside of Green Bay. But, you know, look at John Gruden paying Trent Brown all that money and then sending him back, you know, and and all all these kinds of things. You know, there are all these situations where quarterback offense style sometimes dictates the offensive line, uh, our perception of their ability and not vice versa. Well, let's uh, let's get to these prospects here. And we're going to start with the offensive tackles, and we're going to run down the guys who we're loosely considering first-round prospects here, or a lot of these guys are are first-round locks, but uh, we're going to run through the tackles, and then we'll get to the interior guys. But let's start with NC State's Ikem Ekwanu, Uh, also goes by Iki, apparently. But uh, to me, he's the... uh, He's the power guy, and I don't want to make it sound like he's just a power guy. He's, you know, a, a road grading type of guy. Uh, a year ago, some people were sort of projecting him as a as a guard at the next level. I think he's definitely a tackle at this point, but uh, he certainly has the athleticism to thrive as a pass protector, but I think he has the ability to be something special as a run blocker, and I think that's what makes it kind of interesting, at least to me. And maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong about all this, but uh, to me, that's what makes it interesting between him and Evan Neal, who I think has much more upside to sort of be special as a pass protector. Yeah, I think it all depends on what kind of offense you're running. Um, and we'll get to Neal in a second, but I think um, you know Aquanu. I see him as more of a of a outside zone guy. Like I've seen him make those blocks. They run those plays where, you know, he's basically got that quick, whatever it is, that 45 degree diagonal step outward. And he's ahead of his guy and he's, he's steering, you know, and he's, he's shoving the guy backwards opposite play side. Like that's kind of what he does the best. And I think that sticks out. And I think that there's a lot of teams 
who are probably going to try to covet that at some level. Like I would, you know, I, I wouldn't put the jets out of possibility in that top 10 because they're trying to build up that offensive line and find guys that are going to do that. But there's all these teams in here now that are running the system and then that need guys. And I think he fits there, but I think if, if I'm an, a, a meddling owner, which I like to play on this show, I like to just <laughs> pretend. Um, and he's number one on my draft board. I probably go and I yank the name down because I want Evan Neal because I think in three years, n- not nobody's going to be running outside zone, but it's it's going to be like Pete Carroll's cover three, right? It's going to disappear. Something else cool is going to have come uh, about, and those offensive linemen aren't going to be as necessary as they were a couple of years ago. So I think he is coming out of the draft at the perfect moment. I think someone is going to take him extraordinarily high. I think he's super athletic, but needs to be paired with a good offensive line coach. That said, I probably would not take him as my first offensive lineman. Okay. I think that's fair. The other thing I like about Neil, and this is not going to uh, shock anyone, he, he's huge. I mean, he's he's just mammoth. And uh, we're going to talk about length with a couple of these guys. But uh, length matters and girth matters. And, and I think you look at a guy, uh, we talked about him last show, I think, uh, Orlando Brown Jr., who isn't the best mover out there. And he's... Also, you know, he's, he's very savvy. He's he's very technically adept. But uh, a lot of the reason he gets by is because he's just he's mammoth. He's just so large. He's difficult mm-hmm. to to get around. Uh, that gives you some margin for error there. So I think Evan Neal kind of has a floor for that reason that uh, is maybe higher than than some of the other guys in this class. Well, what I like about Neal is, I mean, y- you talk to offensive linemen. It's all about that. And it's it looks so awkward, and you wonder how these guys can do it. But it's it's that kick step, right? When you come out of your, especially like the two point stance, you know that that edge rusher is going to be coming around your left side. It's that hard kick with your left foot backwards, and then the way that you put your body in a balanced position to be able to essentially catch them and not get pushed over. And I've I've not seen a offensive lineman that good at doing that like and just stunning and like in the sec like it looks so fluid and he's going to end up just by virtue of that giving you so much more time and so if i'm if i'm doug peterson for example and i have trevor lawrence and i know that i'm not running outside zone i know i'm not really doing a quick game like if i were the Bengals, this would have been the perfect guy for me you're obviously not going to get up that high to be able to get evan neal but like you know the chiefs are another team that could just you know you would fall over yourselves for someone like that the, the broncos just a guy who's going to buy you some time and can handle pass rush in isolation it's huge and i think that uh that's what i like about him he's just his, his body position is just always good so sound technically and uh I, you know i don't know where that goes but um, I, I would take him number one overall if I was Jacksonville. I think as much as you and I have hyped up uh, and everybody else justifiably so the pass rush, I think value, generally speaking, you know, you would want your offensive tackle there. Charles Cross out of Mississippi State here, uh, just a, just a phenomenal athlete. Just a uh, this is not a good comp because it's a it's a different position. But uh, uh, I almost get like a, a Marquise Pouncey feel watching. Interesting. Him. Just the just 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 the just the range he has out there. Yeah, I would say um, 
I would say do yourself a favor and watch some of his highlight tapes. I don't have anything super Mike Mayaki insightful to say about him, but will what I will add is that um he just demolishes people on like those bubble screens and it's just really fun to watch. Like they'll throw the they'll throw the quick game and then you basically have him coming out and then the defender chasing in and he's not looking and Charles like there's like ten of these plays where Cross just absolutely annihilates someone. I don't know if those are legal blocks at the NFL level anymore though, are they? Uh, that's for, uh, that's for the officials to decide. I was going to say they, they probably shouldn't be because they look (laughs) awfully dangerous, but, uh, and, and no offense to the people who, uh, were on the business end of that on the film, but awfully fun to watch. Uh, and so, yeah, great athlete. I think again, anytime athlete is your number one trait for an offensive tackle, it's just, like I think about Greg Robinson, right? Remember Greg Robinson out of Auburn? It's mm-hmm. like one of those things where if he would have been drafted by the Patriots, I think he'd be like Orlando Pace. But I, it just wasn't in the cards for him. I don't think he was in the right spot. I don't think he had the right coaching staff, the right offense. And so if you're going to draft one of these, like it's weird to say tools offensive linemen, but it, that's what it is. Like you have to have the right infrastructure there to handle them. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray, rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. 
I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. Trevor Penning, one of the guys from outside the Power Five schools, Northern Iowa, uh, he was a teammate of Spencer Brown, who had a, a fine rookie season with the Bills, and he tested really well at the Combine. Uh, I think it's always a little dicey uh, projecting these guys from uh, uh, basically, well, basically anyone outside the SEC into the NFL, and uh, how are they going to handle, especially when it comes to the balance stuff and speed to power guys. Uh, how are they going to hold up? But, you know, Penning, he checks a lot of boxes. I could absolutely see uh, someone basically penciling him in as as a uh, quality right tackle starter early on and who maybe becomes a, a little bit more than that. Yeah, I thought he was – he looked a little stiff to me, you know, uh, but, again, I don't know how challenged he was. And I say this as a – uh, as a five eight person sitting in my basement, you know, drinking uh, mineral water. So take that as uh, you know. I, I'm aware of how this sounds, and mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but you know, I don't know how challenged he was. I mean, I, I, a lot of the film was him kind of really kicking some serious ass, and so you know, is it like Evan Neal where you have five first round edge rushers that are coming there, or does it look a lot cooler when you're just like pummeling someone on the goal line? And you know, I, I saw him get beat, get beat a couple times, and I saw him get help which was interesting to me and probably is just part of the offense and the protections but like if you're a first round offensive lineman coming out of UNI you shouldn't need help like and and maybe he didn't need it and again so I could be wrong there but I don't love the idea of seeing people chip with him because if if you're that good if you're first round caliber good I would like to see most of your snaps and, and probably most of them were but you know maybe not as many snaps where you're getting a little bit of help out of the backfield I don't does that make any sense no, it does absolutely, and and yeah, we you know you can't like you said you can't necessarily blame him for uh, yeah I mean <laughs> for what for, they drew for, for protection but, calls or for opponent you know but those calls were made for a reason so yeah uh, another guy outside of the Power Five here that's uh, Bernard Raymond Aus- excuse me not Australian Austrian import uh really interesting guy just that's because a mistake he, i normally make not i you. was gonna yeah. say it's it's basically the same thing as far <laughs> as i know from geography uh he is from austria i apologize for that to to both countries i've offended so many people with that uh <laughs> He's interesting because, you know, he was he was a guy who came on late. Uh, he moved from tight end to the offensive line, and then you had the COVID-shortened season. And uh, he really came on strong, though. I, I think one of the questions with him is he'll be he'll be 25 uh, in September. Yeah. Uh, he was overaged, uh, mm-hmm. obviously, you know, not top-level competition. Uh, once again, you do worry about I, I, it, it's – 
it's very trite to say, but you worry about the man strength factor when it comes to offensive linemen. Are they going to mm-hmm. be able to handle, you know, Cameron Jordan the way they handled, you know, the the 230-pound uh, edge rusher they faced uh, from Akron? Sorry to Akron. I'm just, I'm burning it all down here, Connor. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I was going to say the segment, the little pie chart of our podcast that tuned in from Australia and then Akron has just the, completely the, they're, they're off the board. The unsubscribes. We have the big map there. The lights are just going off Bing. now. But, uh, you know, he certainly he more than held his own. He has every physical trait you would you would check off for a, a quality offensive tackle in this league. It's just it's a little bit more of a of leap of faith at this point with him. Here's what I like about him, and I could be biased, but I did a story on the NFL's um, International Player Pathway Program when uh, we were doing a thing on the Patriots fullback, Jakob Johnson, but mm-hmm. heard about Jordan Mailata a lot, right? And had the Eagles drafted him in the seventh round, first international pathway player ever drafted, and had never played a snap of professional football. A couple of years later, he's one of the best offensive tackles in the NFL. And um, I think what's interesting about Raymond is – you know, he was a tight end, what, a year ago? And to be able to have two years ago, he was a tight end and is now a top tackle prospect, top offensive line prospect. That, to me, is stunning. And I think some of these guys, while, yes, like tools at an established level is scary when tools are your number one thing, but if you're like, if you were a tight end one week and an offensive lineman the next, and you're even in consideration as like a top hundred pick, that's fairly stunning. And I think that if you're an offensive lineman, uh, you you probably find a way to make that work, you know. And and I think too that when when a lot of the you know I talked to Jakob Johnson about this when when your only other option is to go back home and you know to live you know, whether it's Austria or Germany, and I'm not saying these are bad places to live or anything like that, but you want to live in the States. You want to play professional football. There's no NFL. I mean, you know, there's no NFL caliber thing back where you live. And so if you, if you want to do this, like, you know, Sebastian Vollmer said the same thing. It's like the almost you, you view outworking as your only option. And I think that some of these guys are interesting in that they come in here understanding that they kind of have to put in something above and beyond what is already expected of them. Nothing worse than going back to Austria or Australia or Akron. <laughs> if anyone from... We're, uh, I'm, I'm not going to sound geography ignorant, so I'm just... We should just move on, you know? Do you know... You know it's bad... This is bad. Should I just say it? Uh, yes, I think you have to now. I'm really sorry to Miss Gilbert, who is my who is my eighth grade social studies teacher, who is going to be just horrified by what I was about to say. But I was going to say, yeah, I really do love Austria in addition to all those other uh, Finnish countries, you know, like up, uh, but Scandinavian, uh, Scandinavian, yeah, like uh, oh, it's like yeah, it was like oh, like Denmark and. Uh, and Norway and Sweden, nope, uh, pretty, pretty far south of that. Um, yeah, yep, <laughs> very far south, uh, just north of Italy. Turns That's... out, <laughs> how how quickly this turned into a terrible episode of uh, Where in the World Is Carmen Sandiego? <laughs> There's so many listeners, just like, and and I, I know for a fact we have a lot of listeners from overseas. We do, yeah, uh, and yeah. and people were very grateful for. So sorry in advance. Uh, when you do your podcast, you can talk about Texas being near the Canadian border, and we won't say anything. There you go. We've never needed Rockapella to play us off more than, than we do right now. <laughs> uh, 
One one thing, I, and I'm glad you mentioned uh, Jordan Mailata. Uh, it's just going to be really interesting because are we going to look back at Mailata now? Obviously, he's an exception because he's you know he, he's a he's a tremendous player now. He's he's a almost all pro caliber player. Uh, I don't know if he's made the team or not, but he's you know he's sort of knocking on the door at that level. So he's an exception for that reason. But uh, will he end up being an exception in that a lot of these guys will not pan out? Uh, in any way, shape, or form. And that's something we're going to find out over the next couple of years. And it's so much of it, like you said, so much of it is going to depend on uh, on the quality of coaching they get. And, I mean, that's that's kind of everyone. But uh, especially when it comes to these offensive linemen and these guys who have maybe not been playing football for, uh, you know, for, for a huge part of their life uh, at this point. And that, that transitions nicely to uh, the last guy I want to touch on. And I don't think he's a first-round pros- prospect, but... We'll see uh, Daniel Fa'alele out of uh, Minnesota, who is, I mean, if you're looking for a Mylata comp, physically, this is this is him. I mean, this is just a, a huge, raw kind of athlete here, and uh, mostly he's... He's huge. He's I don't know what he what he weighed in at the combine. I, he's got to be like upper three hundreds though at about six eight, and uh, you know he's still a work in progress. But I mean, gosh, it, it's a kind of size you can't really teach. And I don't think athletically he's on Mylata's level, but he's close. If I had like a second or a third round pick, and I ran like uh, if I was like the Eagles and I was running a lot of like power all the time i would just take him in as my swing tackle and you would just use him out of the backfield because there's so much natural athleticism there Mm -hmm. and he doesn't okay so with uh with daniel gary follow me on this sort of twisted comp i'm about to make but i think what i like about him is he he reminds me of a guy that i think in the future could be almost like a a taller version of Jason Peters where it's like you have this frame that is dominant but maybe doesn't allow you to be extraordinarily athletic but you know how to use it so well that it becomes this uniquely unstoppable thing like Jason Peters even at 39 was doing some stuff last year as a left tackle just because he understood his size so well that nobody else in the NFL could do and I think Daniel could be that kind of guy. Now, if I had a third round pick or something like that, and he's mm-hmm. still on the board and I'm running a lot of power, I'm drafting him as just like my swing tackle. Like you just put him out on the edge and you just have him just clear people out. Like the, uh, what's the guy's name in, uh, in, in happy Gilmore, just like the massive guy who like throws shooter yeah. McGavin, chases down shooter McGavin in the parking lot. The, like, uh, you know. from the bond movies. Yeah. That's, that guy, you know? yeah. Yeah. Him. <laughs> There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notify, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl level scandals. 
Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. Let's uh, let's move on to the interior guys here. And uh, we're starting with Tyler Linderbaum uh, out of Iowa, a converted wrestler. And uh, I mean, look, he probably could have uh, certainly been a top 50 pick last year had he come out. Uh, the only question you have about his game is his size, because athletically, uh, he is just phenomenal. He is exactly what you want if you run a lot of outside zone. Uh, it's very cliche to compare him to Jason Kelsey, but he is kind of exactly like Jason Kelsey. And uh, as we say, uh, there's a there's always a transition from college football to the pros and, and the, the strength difference uh, in those players. But Linderbaum would seem to be pretty high floor and uh just you know it, you can go back to like Garrett Bradbury a couple years ago uh mm-hmm. I think he's a better prospect than Garrett Bradbury and uh yeah I mean I think you if you're looking for a center and you run a lot of outside zone you take him the first round and uh one of our old friends Super Bowl champion Andy Benoit's least favorite phrases you just start him for 10 years just draft <laughs> a bunch of 10-year starters why doesn't everyone do that I know uh it, it you know I don't know what uh you know, Miami is not in that realm of possibility right now. What their first pick is one Oh two. I think if Mm -hmm. I have that right in, in the third round. Um, but 
you know, maybe you try to get up there for him because that's, you're right. I mean, I see him being Mike McDaniel's center, you know, because when, when McDaniel and Shanahan went to um, San Francisco, first thing they did was they signed Weston Richburg um, off of the Giants uh, in free agency. And I covered Weston uh, coming out of college. And that was the same kind of thing. Everyone's like, Hey, he's a little too small, but he's quick. And, but that's what they want. You know, you have to have a center that's going to get out there. And what's cool about Tyler's film is like, he really does get second level. Uh, he takes dudes out and it just really, it doesn't seem to matter. And I will add this to the size, uh, um, thing. I think the more and more that we're, in the sort of realm that we're at right now, I think it's, it works both ways for defense and for offense. You're not looking to necessarily plow people over. You're looking to impact somebody just enough to get a very fast person to move past them. You know what I mean? And I think that that's sort of like a, a thing that people don't really think about a lot. It's like, okay, well, he's not, you know, the old offensive line coach with the with the Copenhagen in his mouth and being like, we need to run people over. And it's like, well, no, you don't. You need to hold this guy in this space for two seconds. And, you know, I could theoretically, if you placed all of us in the right way, we could all do that in some way. And I'm not saying that. You know, I mean, Gary and I are available. If you would like to sign us to play <laughs> offensive tackle, we, I would be interested in that that's, opportunity. That's what this is. This this was basically an interview that we're doing for NFL teams. <laughs> it's a long con. Uh, yeah, dear Howie Roseman, because uh, <laughs> I'd like to stay close to home. Joe Douglas, you know, I, mm. I can play outside zone. Uh, but, you know, so the size thing doesn't necessarily bother me if you have the body positioning is, is I guess, what I'm trying to say. Let's uh, let's go on to Kenyon Green, who I feel like is, I, I don't know, I, I thought he was going to be a top half of the first round lock. Uh, it seems like he's, he's. I hate to say guys are slipping during draft season because really what it is is uh, just smarter people kind of weigh in on it. And then, you know, the, the, the general zeitgeist kind of moves with them. Uh, mm. That's not the correct use of that word, but I said it anyway. Uh, so he played left tackle last year, wasn't. Great, but I still thought it was good enough in that spot to be a you know a top fifty prospect if you just considered him a left tackle. I think most teams would consider him on the interior, which he's played in the past, and uh, I think he's a potential difference maker there. And again, if if you want to, and we're gonna get to Zion Johnson in a second, so I'm gonna I'm gonna save one of these points. But uh, if you want to build around your run game, uh, you build it around the interior guys. And I think Green is one of those guys. Yeah, I think he is too. And I think one of the things that I liked about him in the little bit that I've watched is that he's good in in like these bar fight scenarios kind of where the backfield is kind of splayed with a bunch of bodies and he just kind of, you know, he's not one of those people This is a well, this is a a, a really weird callback, but do you remember the Kenny Main bit from ESPN, The Double Raven? Do you remember this? I don't. So he did this thing where it was like the the offensive lineman who's just dropping back in his pass set and has no one to block. And like he just made fun of him for it. He called it like the double raven. And so he had a guy <laughs> just dropping back on his own in this field going double raven, double raven. And uh, so 
there are a lot of those guys that'll do that. They'll do the double Raven. They'll they'll drop back into their pass set, and there's all this because here's what the NFL is now. It's all simulated pressure, right? So it's mm-hmm. like guys coming from everywhere, and but you don't quite know exactly where and when and all that. And what I like about Kenyon is he's just like whatever, man. If there's nobody on me, I'm just gonna turn around and just start throwing bodies. And I think that's pretty cool. And I think that you could live with that if that's your number one instinct as an offensive lineman and you're an offensive line coach it's like yeah i could i could coach that if his if his number one instinct is to just be a bouncer in there and start hurling people like the guards and the replacements uh then we're we're in good shape <laughs> zion johnson out of boston college this is the last guy we're going to officially kind of profile here and it's a really unique backstory and i realize we talked about a guy from austria and and you know we have guys with maybe more exotic backgrounds, but uh, Zion Johnson is basically a a non-recruit, ends up at Davidson, ends up transferring to Boston College, uh, plays all over the offensive line there, ends up, he could have come out last year and probably been a day two pick. Uh, He ended up coming back to Boston College to basically put a year on tape of him playing on the interior. And uh, one thing that, uh, that he is very well regarded for, and I think this is sort of an important thing to consider when you talk about, we talk a lot about, you know, sort of guys who, well, they can't hold up a tackle, so just move them inside. Uh, the shorthand phrasing is intelligence. I don't think that's quite fair because it's not really intelligence. It's more like instinct and, and ability to read and react and process. Uh, you need to be much sharper in doing that when you're inside because there are frankly there are more there are more variables there are more guys who are potentially coming at you who you have to be responsible for uh, when you're playing inside so Zion Johnson can can hold on in in those scenarios and uh again he's a guy who I think you could play at tackle I think you could play him at either uh guard spot you could probably play him at center uh and I think he's just a guy who uh, he's he's gonna be a starter in this league for uh for a long time yeah um my the he has that cool um play on tape where he just he hits a guy with his shoulder and then just knocks him on the ground like just just throws like a little elbow at someone and blocks them while also like blocking somebody else, which I thought was, was pretty cool. And yeah, I mean, I, 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 I can't tell you enough how much position versatility figures into this. You know, I think he can play a couple different spots and I think that's going to leapfrog him over some of these other guys when it comes down to the conversation. Can I throw out two more names of guys that I really like? And, uh, I wish I had something as outrageous as uh, uh, comping them to Offensive Player of the Year like I did on the last show. But the two guys I want to throw out, one guy is Sean Ryan from UCLA, who uh, he played left tackle at UCLA. He's probably not going to play tackle in the NFL. Might play right tackle, uh, although I, I do hate the way we still talk about those two spots as if they're so vastly different. But... Uh, Short arms, a little more than 32 inches. Length does matter, uh, especially on the perimeter. But he moves really well. He's, I, I think his play mentality fits really nicely on the inside. And uh, he did not match up with Kayvon Thibodeau a ton when they played Oregon. But in the snaps where they were matched up, I thought Ryan got the better of that matchup there. And I don't know. To me, he's a guy, these, these two guys I'm going to highlight here, I would take him in the first round. My team might be terrible. I might be really bad at this, but I saw him and I was like, yeah, I'll take that guy with like the 28th pick. 
Yeah, you could be like Mike Mayock in that way. You know, uh, <laughs> you take a guy in the take a guy in the first round, and everyone's like, "Well, I don't mm. know." Uh, and uh, sometimes it'll work out, and uh, sometimes sometimes it won't. You know. The other guy I'm throwing out there is uh, out of Memphis, uh, Dylan Parham, and uh, the thing that I, I don't get excited over the combine, I, I don't pay that much attention to it. I'll look at the outlier testers, and like that's just the way it goes. But uh, Parham is a guy who had come to Memphis as tight end. They moved him uh, around the offensive line. He was awesome. He's you know he, he's an athlete. He's a uh, uh, he, he, again, he's another guy who just his playing style, his physicality, his, uh, his willingness to, uh, I, I hate to say like grind hard, but you know, kind of grind hard that fits, uh, for an interior lineman in the NFL. But I thought he was going to have to be a center only prospect because they, they had him at like 285 when he was at Memphis in their, uh, in their program. And he looks like he's 285. He looks like, you know, he looks like a tight end playing, uh, playing on the offensive line, but uh, he showed up at the combine and he weighed in at 311. Uh, also just a wonderful band, but uh, 311 is a good number for any oh. interior line. <laughs> and then he still ran a 493. So he didn't, it seems like he didn't give up the athleticism and has put on some good weight here. And I don't know. I, I think, I think he's going to be really, really good. I think this is, I, I again, I would take him in the first round in, in, in a heartbeat here. Really tough for me to get over that 311 compliment. <laughs> Just dropped it in there. Just uh, snuck it in there on you. But you have to trust your instincts and let go of regret, as they say. So, um, but I, yeah, okay. Um, I'll I'll list one too. Uh, Marquise Hayes, uh, Oklahoma, mm-hmm. tough guy. Thought he had a pretty good senior bowl. Um, and I think that uh, <clears throat> I think he probably got some looks there because a lot of teams are probably. Uh, quarterback needy teams are, are looking at a lot of Caleb Williams right now and wondering if that's worth waiting for and maybe tanking for. So he probably popped a little bit for uh, for some of those clubs out there. Gosh, all I can think now is if there's some way we could get Michael McDonald covering to sing some all mixed songs. up. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Oof. All mixed up. Don't know what to do. <laughs> The MMQB NFL podcast is Connor Orr and me, Gary Gramling. We are produced by Shelby Royson. SI's executive producer of podcasts is Scott Brody, and our senior podcast producer is Dan Bloom. Mark Mravick is emeritus editor of the MMQB. Super Bowl champion Andy Benoit is the founder of the MMQB NFL podcast. Be sure to subscribe to this feed on Apple Podcasts, and once you do, please leave a rating and review because it really does help other people find the show, which is also available on Spotify, Stitcher, SI.com, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host 
of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English, and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. 